Well, I take an artist or a band and listen to their work. Then I put them on a list like a music critic jerk. Then I put them all in order from the best to the worst. But you probably won't like my choice for first. I don't care. You might think this idea is dumb. You're wrong. It's actually random. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Random Album Rankings. My name is BC. Thank you so much for joining me. Be sure to follow this podcast on Instagram at random.album. Now, I know there are some of you who probably tuned in expecting to listen to the episode dedicated to The Clash, and I did say on last week's episode that The Clash episode would be this week, but it has been delayed for one more week, so I apologize for not giving you enough notice, but uh, yeah, The Clash will be moved to next week. I can assure you it's almost ready, but for now... Uh, it's you're just going to have to wait one more week to hear what Clash album is the best or which Clash album is the worst, in my ever-so-humble opinion. But uh, as far as this week goes, hey, you still got a random episode this week, so you don't have much to worry about there. So if you're still listening, thank you for tuning in. Well, if you're a pro wrestling fan and a music fan, then this is definitely the episode for you. WrestleMania is this week. It's taking place for two nights this year in Dallas, Texas. And this is the 38th WrestleMania. For those of you who don't know what that is, uh, you've clearly been living under a rock. But uh, WrestleMania is considered the Super Bowl of professional wrestling. And pretty big lineup uh, for two nights. You have a title unification match between... WWE champion Brock Lesnar and Universal champion Roman Reigns, which uh, that's going to be an interesting match. I really don't know who's going to win. To be honest, I don't really care that much about WWE these last few years. So we shall see. I mean, in case you figure out, there's more than one wrestling federation. WWE really hasn't been the uh, end all, know all, tell all for the last several years, no matter what Vince McMahon says. Uh, But there's also a rumored fight that's going to happen. Stone Cold Steve Austin is uh, apparently going to be wrestling one more match, this time against uh, Kevin Owens. That'll be interesting. He hasn't wrestled full-time since uh, 2003. So when you really think about that, almost 10 years since he's last been in a wrestling match. So oddly enough, his last match was WrestleMania 19 against uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes. I don't think it's going to be a 20-minute match considering he hasn't been in a ring for almost almost uh, two decades, I should say. I almost I said a decade, but it's actually 20 years because WrestleMania 19 was in 2003. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And if you plan on watching it, uh, I mean, you can either spend 60 bucks for it on pay-per-view or you can watch it for free on the Peacock network, which is the NBC streaming service. So you've got options, but uh, no, this episode is 
Well, it is dedicated to WrestleMania, but not this WrestleMania. This week, I am going to do a very special episode dedicated to WrestleMania. I will be counting down my favorite theme songs from WrestleMania. And yes, WrestleManias over the years had their own exclusive theme songs. In fact, the first one from 1985, WrestleMania 1, was of all things an instrumental version of Easy Lover by Phil Collins and Philip Bailey. You know the one. Easy lover, she'll take your heart, but you won't leave it. Or you won't feel it. Excuse me. Uh, clearly, singing is not one of my best suits. But uh, no, it's not going to be on the list. And I'm not going to be alone. Uh, I will have my five favorite WrestleMania theme songs. But I will be joined by a very special guest on this show. In fact, I've actually got him waiting on the line right now as we speak. Uh, I will be joined by author and editor and uh, writer for various wrestling websites and magazines. I'll be joined by Jonathan Plomben, whose book Tortured Ambition came out a few months ago. It's about the history and the rise and fall of Herb Abrams and the infamous Universal Wrestling Federation from 1990 to 1994. And wow, I if you've never read the book, I suggest you find it and buy a copy of it because it is one of the most intriguing wrestling books I have ever read in a very long time. It is probably one of my top three favorite wrestling books as we speak. So, uh, but you'll know a little more about the book when I get uh, Mr. Plombin on the line. In the meantime, uh let, well, you know what? Let's not waste any time. Let's get on board. Let's get him on board right now. All right. I, I'm really excited for this episode of Random Album Rankings this week. And joining me on the line right now is author and wrestling fan extraordinaire Jonathan Plombon, author of Tortured Ambition, the story of Herb Abrams and the UWF. Jonathan, welcome to Random Album Rankings. Well, yeah, thank you very much for having me on here. Yeah, I mean, as soon as I read this book, and I was, this has been long overdue to do an episode dedicated to WrestleMania theme songs. I wanted to do one last year, but things just got in the way, specifically my uh, wife and I moving down to Nashville from Minneapolis. So that kind of got put on the mm -hmm. back burner. And then, thanks to Dark Side of the Ring and your book, I decided now was the time to do a WrestleMania episode. So yeah, yeah, sounds like a great idea um, to do something, especially around this time, because I think WrestleMania is not too far away. No, yeah, in fact, uh, yeah, April second and third, I believe, in uh, like uh, in Dallas, Texas. A two-night event, too. Are you, are you going to be watching that at all th that weekend? Probably, probably not. You know, I mean, I don't have, um, I don't have, like, the Peacock Network or whatever, and it doesn't seem like enough of a, it doesn't seem to be enough on there for me to kind of go to all the trouble of subscribing to it this year, so. Yeah, I hear you there. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I got a lot of attention after the uh, Dark Side of the Ring um, episode. Uh, it sure did wonders, I think, even for the, even though like it wasn't mentioned or anything on the show, the the people people went looking for Herb Abrams on Facebook after that, and they got to my book. So 
it did wonders for the amount of people who actually were, you know, knew of the book or was waiting for it to come out. So yeah, that was, it, it definitely, um, it, it was, it, they definitely did a, a pretty decent job and they definitely, a lot of people, you know, went all the way to uh, find out more about it just because of that. Goes without saying, after two reads of this, I have a few questions that I've got to ask you uh, regarding this book. I mean, there's been so many books about WWF, NWA, WCW, ECW, and so many independent wrestling federations here in the United States and around the world. And I, the one question I've got to ask you is, what, in your personal opinion, was it about Herb Abrams UWF that resulted in this, uh, dare I say, Bible that you've created that that felt that you felt people needed to know about the UWF? What was it about it that that uh, separated this from all other wrestling federations? Um, I thought, you know, I think part of it uh, was definitely. Just because I knew about it, I watched it when I was really young on Sports Channel, and I always kind of stuck with me. And, you know, I, I tend to live in the past anyway, so it seems like something like that was, you know, going to become something in my sort of adulthood, something to work on. Um, it was, I think a lot of it was just, like I said before, it was like nostalgia of me trying to recapture what I had when I was younger. And also, it was just sort of a fascinating, complex character, I think. When I started learning more about Abrams and UWF after I got the internet in like 2000 or something like that, I uh, I definitely went searching around trying to find out more about this. And then when I found out everything that is, was out there already, all the uh, stories and everything that was out there, I, I kind of wanted to learn more. I guess there is, there's um, a certain gratification of sort of telling people what they, telling, uh, explaining and, you know, telling the story or whatever. But then for me too, like the question now is, is on my mind is why. Uh, so I'm always wondering why, you know, this person behaved this way. Why did Herb Abrams, you know, behave that way? Um, so it was, it was one of those things where just me, just my general curiosity and I guess me just trying to, like I said before, just trying to go back to my childhood or something. You know, it was, it was definitely a combination of those two things. I, I can definitely uh, agree with you on that one. I mean, the pro wrestling, in my opinion, is definitely better in the 80s and 90s for sure. And Herb Abrams is goes without saying definitely uh, was a pretty interesting dude in the world of professional wrestling. Reading about him, you didn't know whether to feel sorry for him or feel disdain for him. He was just one of those on-the-fence kind of figures that it, it was just, I guess the best description to describe Herb is tragic more than anything. Uh, yeah, it's you know, it was one of those things where, like, he had been villainized so much on the internet, and everybody kind of had some sort of, you know, sort of a black and white sort of approach to him. One of the things I wanted to do is I kind of wanted to, I, you know, I wanted to show sort of a more rounded, um, sort of a, a more of a rounded, uh, uh, you know, profile of Herb Abrams and try to show all the good things, you know, some of the good things and kind of 
not just focus on maybe what was so, you know, more of the sensational aspects of his life. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's weird with Abrams because what would be just normally just be kind of like a maybe, you know, not so interesting story, like maybe about him, like, uh, you know, bringing a uh, special needs child backstage at one of the shows and have him, ever like meet all the wrestlers and stuff something like that in another book probably wouldn't be as interesting but because it was Herb Abrams and you never got to see that that was one of those things where it was like showing the good parts was just for me anyway discovering those good parts was just as exciting as and interesting as reading those you know the crazier you know cocaine sort of stories so I, I, I think with him it was like the 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 goal was always to, um, like I said before, show him uh, a little bit more uh, of a I don't know, like a, just you know, show that there, there was more to him than just you know all the the crazy stories that are up on the internet. Yeah, definitely, and I'm glad you uh, brought up that uh, little section of the book where he uh, brought that. Sp- brought the special needs child backstage that that part really resonated with me and just showed mm-hmm. that yeah he wasn't such a bad guy i mean amidst the his personal problems financially and whatnot yeah, there are those moments like what you just described that really stood out about mm-hmm. the guy for sure yeah yeah it was um it's, it was kind of difficult to find those stories. And I think that there are people out there who probably have more, but I just, you know, wasn't able to either get in touch with them or, or they were interested in talking or something. But those were, yeah, I mean, those those stories are definitely something um, that you weren't going to find, you know, in the Wrestling Observer or something. So, no. Yeah. No, especially with a certain uh, – guy named by the name of Dave Meltzer involved, that's, you aren't going to get anything positive about that as far as Herb Abrams goes, unfortunately. Well, yeah. Um, but then again, you know, it's like, that's not really what people, I don't know. I, maybe that's not really what people who are reading the wrestling server and I read the wrestling server. So I'm not, I'm not saying that they're like those people, but, um, it, it just seems like maybe those types of stories aren't necessarily what people kind of want to read. Um, so, I mean, if like, you know, those aren't necessarily news stories, I guess, but yeah, I mean, it was just sort of like these, these uh, news stories and everything. Like, I just don't think it was something like that wasn't going to be something that was going to like, you know, be the top story on the, you know, front page or something like that. Another question I had about the book. Uh, now I'll be I'll be honest. I had only read about UWF and watched the Dark Side of the Ring uh, documentaries. So the only the closest I ever got to watching a UWF episode was when they would run reruns of it on ESPN Classic and YouTube has. There's a YouTube channel that runs a bunch of uh, that has a bunch of videos of Fury Hour episodes. I haven't gotten mm-hmm. to the Beach Blast pay per view yet. So I'm kind of terrified because the couple episodes of Fury Hour, as a wrestling fan, I did feel like my head was going to explode just from the uh, low budget and 
inconsistencies. <laughs> but to say oh. there was no talent in that is false because there was an immense amount of talent in that as far as that roster is concerned. Bob Orton, Mick Foley, Paul Orndorff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Steve Williams and, you know, Dan Spivey, um, Brian Blair. You know, I mean, you could just go on and on. Bob Backlund was there for a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, Ivan Kolop. Yeah, they definitely had a well-recognized roster. Uh, not that any of those guys are signed to, like, um, guaranteed contracts or, you know, where they can only wrestle in UWF or anything, but they still, he still managed to uh, attract a lot of them uh, to his uh, promotion. So, you know, he, he was able to do that. That was a, it was always sort of a characteristic of Herb Abrams was being able to sell, uh, being a great, salesperson and he was able to sell a lot of those wrestlers in the you know showing up for his uws shows yeah i will give abrams the credit he was a hell of a talker for sure mm-hmm. mr electricity after all <laughs> yeah yeah he's he always uh i we're talking about like stuff like uh drugs and stuff Abrams always, one of the reasons why he was so attracted to like cocaine was that he was always just, he always wanted to be super alert and just going, you know, uh, you know a million miles a second. Um, yeah. So that's one of the reasons why, he, you know, he had that sort of name is he was always just up in a boat. Yeah, and definitely had a lot of energy, even if it was via cocaine. I got to yeah, ask, go though, in your honest opinion, is... In your in your years of watching wrestling, is UWF Beach Blast or Beach Brawl? Excuse me, uh, mm-hmm. that has been cited as the worst pay per view of all time. Would you agree on that one? If no, you don't think so. No, I mean you know, even looking at it now when you're watching, I mean there's still you know the 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 match between. Um, Johnny Ace and uh, oh goodness, I'm having a, a Terry Gordy. Terry Gordy, thank you very much. Yeah, Johnny Ace and Terry Gordy, like that brawl was uh, it's in, it was incredible, and it's also kind of interesting too because that's where they lost. That's where they they lost a lot of time, so a lot of the other matches have to go short. Um, but yeah, like if that wasn't it wasn't like a bad really bad pay-per-view. I think if you watched it now and tried to compare it to like something like WWE does, well, maybe not modern WWE, but you compare it to like some of their best shows, WWE's best shows, you know, there's definitely a difference. Like there's, there's matches on uh, Beach Brawl that just don't have any build-up. They're like, just wasn't, they just put on, you know, a match. Um, I, that sort of time period uh, with, uh, you know, in the early 90s, you know, they would do, like, the squash matches and everything, a lot more of them than they do now. Um, those, you know, those, that, it, it's going to be hard to be able to compare that to what everybody's seen since then because it's gone. I mean, there have been so many, you know, crazy over-the-top pay-per-view since then. But, you know, for the time period, for what they had, um, you know, it was, 
I thought it was pretty good. Like Bam Bam and Williams, I thought was good. I thought, uh, you know, the Killer Bees versus the um, the Power Twins. I thought, you know, I thought it was pretty decent too. Like it wasn't like there wasn't any real bad wrestling. It was just sort of some of it was probably just sort of a little dull and boring. I think if if you take like a kid now who's watching WWE and you put that uh, pay-per-view on, they probably, they probably fall asleep or something, but now, but you're able to like, you know, transport yourself back there mentally. Um, you know, it's not really that bad of a show. No, it's definitely, it, there's gotta be, I'm, I'm assuming there's gotta be worse pay-per-views out there. I was going to say, in all the years I've watched wrestling, I think the worst wrestling pay-per-view I've ever seen was from 1999. I think it was, yeah, it was 99, that Legends of Wrestling pay-per-view with a super inebriated Jake Roberts and Yokozuna versus Anvil and Bundy. I don't know, that was, like, that's one of those things that, you know, to tie that in with Herb Abrams, those types of shows like that in the blackjack brawl, they don't really get too boring because there's always like there's there's a certain train wreck, you know, aspect of it where it's kind of interesting watching it. I think probably there's probably a, in my opinion, there's probably a worse uh, pay per view since there's probably there's got to be a certain a WWE one out there where you know it's even more. I I, I think it it makes it even worse that they had all this money for WWE to put on these shows and have all these people working for them, but they still put on a, you know, subpar show. When you look at it, that there were like pretty much a lot of the people working on the Blackjack Brown had never done pay-per-view before. So when mm-hmm. you look at it, what, you know, when you look at it that way that they, you know, didn't have the budget WWE has, but they're still able to put on like a decent show, I think said something. I, I think it's more, I don't know, I think it's worse when uh, WWE uh, puts on a pay-per-view and it's just dull as nails or whatever, you know, it's just, you know, it's just, I I, I, thought, I would think that there's got to be a worse one there just because they don't have an excuse for it to be so, I don't know, uh, dull. So, I mean, I don't know, yeah. Yeah, definitely agree with you there. I mean... Yeah, Blackjack Brawl I haven't seen yet, but I've definitely heard about it thanks to the book and the documentary. But I, I think uh-huh. you inspired me as soon as uh, we finish this episode. I'll definitely have to check out uh, that the, both those uh, UWF pay-per-views because I'm, I'm intrigued more and more as I read about this <laughs> and from your description of it. Uh if I may just add to ask a couple of personal questions. One pertaining to, uh, well, both of them are pertaining to the book. Um, who are your favorite wrestlers growing up, and do you have any favorite wrestlers or feds that you watch now? Well, growing up, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Hulk Hogan was, you know, the big one. And I think he's still, he's still, I still consider him to be my favorite wrestler. I liked, um, I, I, was a big fan of Ron Simmons and WCW. Yes. Um, I remember being a big fan of Bobby Eaton, too, and WCW, because I'd watch uh, both uh, shows. Um, I'm trying to think of wrestlers other than, like, the big ones that everybody says, like Ric Flair. Uh, 
those guys. Um, you know, like, like I, I think a lot of the, my favorite wrestlers aren't even from this modern time. So, like, at that time, like, people like Yokozuna, like, I, uh, Yokozuna, I consider to be one of my favorites. Abdullah the Butcher was another one of my favorites. I, you know, those are the ones that are coming to me right now. Uh, Lanny Poffel, I really liked uh, growing up, too. Uh, and Corey, you know, his brother, you know, Randy Savage and stuff like that. Yeah. And those are those are the big names, I think, that I I grew up on. Um, that has captured my attention. Other than that, like, wrestling is now, it's so weird because I'm so disconnected from wrestling now. Like, I... I'll read about what's going on, but like I won't watch it because I don't. A lot of times I don't have like the channels or anything uh, to watch because I don't have cable right now. If it um, helps, you really haven't missed much of anything the last few years on WWE. Yeah, it, it's been a couple of years. Like I remember, like I would always, you know, you'd always get sort of frustrated or you'd want, you know, something to happen that that did. I mean, I was. It, this is far from like a newer wrestler or whatever, but like in terms of like modern times, like Samoa Joe was probably my like that. That's probably my favorite modern wrestler. He was definitely that was one of them um, that I, I really liked. And I remember that I still liked, um, but he's pretty much retired now too. Um, and then there's Bailey from WWE. Uh, but to tell you the truth, like those are my like. The modern and newer wrestlers, even though they've been around forever, because like I just, like I said before, like I just haven't watched anything on, you know, WWE. I've been, I, I've seen most of the AEW pay per views just because, like, I knew people who would get those. Um, but I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily like up to date on what's going on stuff in, in those either. So, I don't know. In, in terms of AEW and stuff, you know. I like the uh, Jurassic Express and uh, Britt Baker. I really like, and those are probably just off the top of my head. Those are probably like the the ones that I you know sort of gravitated to when I'm watching those AEW pay per views. Yeah, definitely a good selection. Doctor Britt Baker is one of the best heels around in the current state mm-hmm. of wrestling for sure. And I'm really glad you uh, cited Bobby Eaton when you were talking about favorite wrestlers from the past. He was one of my favorites as a kid too. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a shame. Some of those wrestlers were, um, a lot of those, a lot of those wrestlers, like there were some people who were able to continue being like a, a um, a, a, big part of you know WCW or wrestling during that time period in the late nineties. Um but then there were some wrestlers like Bobby Eaton who you know you would watch on like a Saturday night program and you'd be like, this guy was a huge star like five years ago and now, you know, they're just you know, filling up a, a slot on a, you know, a B show or whatever. It was kind of it's it, it was kind of depressing kind of looking at that and Bobby Eaton was definitely one of those guys who was just one of the best and then he just unfortunately he just wasn't marketable or anything you know in the late 90s when everything really started to explode 
Yeah, Blue Bloods with Regal, and then that just kind of sort of disappeared, unfortunately, because mm-hmm. that was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I was a, I, I know, like, I didn't – like, I stopped watching wrestling and I don't know, I want to say, like, 92 or 93 or something, and then I started watching again in 96. And, like, I remember when I went back to wrestling, um, my favorite wrestlers were – uh, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, and then uh, Steven Regal. Uh, when I came back, like those were the ones that like I, I like that sort of no nonsense approach. Those were my favorites, and sort of like the in high school then too. So, yeah, yeah, most definitely, definitely some good picks right there. I mean, I know Benoit is kind of a forbidden word over for the last almost 15 20 years but i mean what he, i'm not i'm not defending what he did in 07 mm-hmm. it's despicable yeah but even you, you can't you can't help but admit he was a damn good wrestler yeah he was yes um yeah that that whole that whole thing obviously is such a tragic um you know situation it but at the time, though, before like any of that stuff happened, like, yeah, he was definitely one of my one of my favorites at the time. Now it's a little weird to uh, I, I don't credit him as being one of my favorite wrestlers anymore because it's just so weird to say that now. But yeah, at the I, time, yeah, he he was he was you know probably you know the best wrestler in terms of what I would see because I wouldn't watch like anything international or anything. I would watch everything that's from WCW, WWE and stuff like that. So at that time in the States, like I didn't think that there was anybody better than, you know, at their craft. Yeah, definitely. And uh, unfortunately I can't bring myself to watch WrestleMania 20 anymore because of that reason. But before all that happened, yeah, he was Mm -hmm. definitely one of the best. And I've got one quick question before the uh, timer runs out. I did see in your uh, notes that you are a collector of Frankenstein memorabilia. I, I want to know a little bit about that. When did that obsession start? Well, it, you know, Frank, I, uh, say Frankenstein memorabilia, I think, may, it makes it sound sort of like I probably picked the wrong word there, but um, like it's just sort of like Frankenstein stuff. Uh, that was, uh, Frankenstein was the first movie, the James Whale version was the first movie I'd ever seen when I was a little kid and everything. And the story just sort of, like, uh, the book and everything just sort of resonates with me. So ever since then, whenever I'd see, especially, like, stuffed Frankenstein monsters, like, I got, like, a, a ton of those. It just sort of started one day, and I noticed, that, like, I had, like, a ton. Um, <laughs> So that's just, it, it's, I mean, I could go into like, you know, why it resonates and everything, but it's, it, you know, it, it was just one of those things where I had always, you know, I read the book and I loved the book and I loved the idea and stuff. So it just, it just sort of grew uh, from there. I don't have like a ton of Frankenstein stuff, I guess, looking around, but I, I still like, I, I go all my way to like pick that stuff up in trip shops and everything. So, yeah. Right on. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for talking about uh, the history of this book and what inspired you to write this book. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're going to take a quick little break for a little uh, 
ad. And then when we come back, we're going to do what everybody tuned into this podcast for, uh, in addition to knowing more about this book, which I highly recommend everybody picks up a copy of right now. But uh, when we come back, we're going to get to ranking. All right. All right. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Here it is, the moment you've been re- waiting for. WrestleMania theme songs ranked from five to one. Uh, I'll have my top five. John's going to have his top five. But before we do that, because uh, you and I were both in agreement on one thing, uh, just listening to the theme songs, going through them, uh, not all of them were that great. And I, I definitely agree with you on that one. Uh, <laughs> But in your honest opinion, out of all the theme songs that have that has graced WrestleMania for the last thirty-eight years, what do, you, in your honest opinion, is the worst theme song for worst WrestleMania uh, theme song ever? Uh, it was. Uh, there were a couple of them. Um, uh, the two by Kid Rock. I'm just gonna put down there as the worst. Um, I I don't think you can get much worse than Kid Rock. I. Um, I apologize to any fans out there, but uh, <laughs> he's, he's, he's pretty much, you know, I, I in terms of reprehensible individuals, um, uh, he's, he's a, uh, I, uh, of course, I'm basing a lot of this on just his, um, on his attitude, his politics and everything, but uh, his music is uh, the pits too, so I, I, I don't think he can get any worse than, uh, Kid Rock. I don't know who else is out there right now. That that, that makes me as, as just sort of just makes me regurgitate my mouth a little bit. But uh, he's he's the absolute worst. So uh, without even getting into any reason why the songs are awful, uh, I'm just gonna put down uh, Kid Rock. He was on his were WrestleMania 34 and WrestleMania 30. Yeah. So he unfortunately, uh, you know. Uh, uh, helped to uh, ruin a couple of them, unfortunately. So, a couple of wrestling. Right. I, I don't think you'll get an argument for me as far as Kid Rock is concerned. I almost <laughs> considered him for worst, and but there uh-huh. were a couple others that stood out. Uh, Love Runs Out by One Republic from WrestleMania 35 made absolutely zero sense. Not necessarily because... Uh, I'm not a big fan of the band, but the song and WrestleMania just didn't seem to go together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as uh, bad music goes, I see your kid rock and raise you a limp biscuit from WrestleMania 19 when they put out a uh, crack addict. <laughs> just why the song It's bad enough that the song wasn't very good, but mm-hmm. mm. Yeah, that's all I have to say. But there's really nothing memorable about that song, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, yeah, Limp Biscuit will just a heads up. Limp Biscuit will be on this. I'm sure will show up on one of our lists. I I don't know. We shall see. Uh-huh. But uh, and at this point, let's start off with number five, and you're gonna kick us off. What did you have? on your list for number five. 
Okay, so this is really funny considering your last um, your last pick. But I am actually taking my uh, number five slot is uh, WrestleMania 17, and I actually picked my way by uh, Limp Biscuit. Oh, and, bless and, you. I have that at number hey, two, actually. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, yeah. We did do, okay, yeah, it wasn't the crack addict one at all on that pick, but about Limp Biscuit, like, there's just something for me. There's just sort of kind of a soft spot, um, just because everyone hates him so much. I, I, I have this, like, tremendous amount of sympathy for them because I just feel bad sometimes. Um, so, I mean, in the song, it, it kind of builds. It it, it it works in that sort of um, what they were kind of looking for and what they're kind of looking for now is that sort of kind of that angry sort of, you know, before it was like a celebration, now it's just like all about aggression and anger and stuff. So I actually picked my way. It kind of fits. I can't remember what the main event was for that one, but I'm going my way by Limp Bizkit for number five. Yeah, I... I don't think you're going to get an argument from me or any wrestling fan in general as far as that goes because, yeah, that was for WrestleMania 17. The main event was Austin Rock 2 for the WWF Ooh. Championship in Houston, Texas. Yeah, that was okay. one of the best WrestleMania theme songs, in my honest opinion. Uh-huh. I mean, it was the... It was also the last WrestleMania for the Attitude Era. The Monday Night Wars had come to an end at that point. And I just thought that My Way captured not just the main event feud, but the event in general, especially with uh, Vince versus Shane in the No Holds Barred match. Just It was perfect. It was a perfect Mania theme at that time. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I enjoy it too. So definitely, let this get my way. Right on. All right. Well, my pick for number five is actually from WrestleMania 30. No, it is not Celebrate by Kid Rock. I went with the uh, <laughs> second theme. I went with uh, Legacy by Eminem. It's not his okay. best work, but I thought yeah. it captured the event, the mood of the event, a lot more than Celebrate did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think uh, Eminem, you know, during that period, too, he definitely, uh, well, I guess that was pretty modern. It wasn't, like, from 20 years ago or anything. But, yeah, he, I, I think he definitely fulfilled sort of a rebellious attitude that the uh, sometimes WWE wants to kind of portray as what they are. So, yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm, you know, not the biggest fan of Eminem, but that, that's definitely a solid choice. Yeah, and it's definitely, it's more on a personal note, because uh, the triple threat match for the Undisputed, the world title in WWE has gone through so many name changes, so this time around it was the Undisputed WWE Championship, where the champ had two title, two belts. It was Batista, mm -hmm. Orton, and Brian Danielson, and Danielson beat Triple H to get into the main event, and then he made Batista tap out. Uh and I consider WrestleMania 31 one of my favorites because it's the first WrestleMania I ever watched with the woman who's now my wife. So she just witnessed me in my full nerdy wrestling fan mode. 
because I was like trying to play it off like, oh, I used to like wrestling as a kid. I don't watch it much anymore. Ha ha ha. But she watched me go nuts during the main event and actually watched me tear up when Danielson won the world title. <laughs> so she thought that was adorable, her exact words. And I'm happy to say she and I have been together for nine WrestleManias. We don't count years. We count me WrestleManias. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah, I... Legacy by Eminem, though not one of his better songs, it was definitely mm -hmm. a better mood setter for Mania than Celebrate by Kid Rock did. So moving right yeah. along, we're at the number four spot. Uh, what did you have? For number number four. four, I had, uh, it looks like uh, some of these themes were used for multiple WrestleManias during the early ones, but the uh, WrestleMania theme song, for, uh, by Mike Stock, I think it was, for, from 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, the, uh, the one that was eventually Lady McMahon's theme song. Um, yeah, I think it was just I, called I, WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of like this one. Uh, I, I, you know, it, it was a period before they, they really started to kind of change, like, the, whole, the songs and everything. This, was, this one was more of a celebration more of like you know get off your seat you know we're gonna have a good time and everything uh that one's pretty classic plus there was a there's a version of it where like the uh some of the wrestlers rap too over it and you know that that type of stuff when you know it was originally made you know it was it was, it was done unironically so it's it's fun to look back on that and see a, a time that you know, we'll never have again. We'll never be able to, you know, hear, I don't know, the Bushwhackers rap and, you know, get excited and enjoy it. So not that I remember if Bushwhackers are on there or not, but, you know. I, I it, believe, it, it, I it, believe it, they were, yeah. They were. Uh, so, yeah, so that's the one I, I got to pick. It, it was just, like, when you listen to it, even now, it's like, yeah, like, that's, Sounds dated, but you're like, God, I wish I could go back and to a much simpler time when when that was actually something that I personally thought was kind of cool. So, yep, that's yeah. my number four. Right on, very good choice. And uh, even I have to admit, I did own WrestleMania the album, which had that song and uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan's mm. USA rap. That was it, it was a guilty pleasure. <laughs> For sure. Uh, my pick yeah. for number four, I went for the theme from WrestleMania 29, uh, Coming Home by Diddy, Dirty Money, and Skylar Gray. Mm -hmm. And the main event for that one was Rock versus Cena Part 2, this time for the WWE Championship. And despite the fact that I have this song at number four, it's definitely one of the better WrestleMania themes uh, in the last few years. I thought uh, it captured the Rock Cena moment beautifully. And it's definitely uh -huh. one of uh, Sean Combs' best works in years. Mm. So it just, I don't know, it just kind of got the energy going. And the chorus just resonated. Tell the world I'm coming home. Got John Cena and Rock, the passing of the torch. And I, it wasn't a favorite pay-per-view of mine, but that main event was better than it had any right to be, especially since The Rock hadn't been a full-time wrestler since 03, I believe, or 02. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And Skylar Gray is a very underrated vocalist. I remember I saw her in concert years ago when she was under when she was using the name Holly Brooke. And Skylar Gray is just definitely one of those go-tos for R&B, rap, and rock tunes for the last decade. So mm -hmm. her vocals were on point as far as that went. Yeah, I guess I don't know much about uh, about many of those artists. I guess I just don't follow them, but. Yeah, um, it sounds like a good choice. Yeah, and like I said, definitely one of the better Mania themes. Um, and I got to say, while we're on the subject of R&B, um, before we uh, get into our top threes, uh, what are your thoughts on this year's theme song, uh, Sacrifice by The Weeknd, if you had a chance to hear that one? <laughs> no, actually, I haven't. Um... Like I know of the weekend, like I've I've heard the name, um, and when I was looking through a lot of the um, themes, uh, those were a couple of the songs were the uh, songs by the weekend that I kind of stopped at and listened. I like the I like the sort of the synth uh, sound on those, um, but as for the song, like for this year, I honest to God, like I I haven't even heard it. I apologize for that one. No worries. Uh, and I've realized this is the third WrestleMania in a row that the weekend had the theme song. So I'm, I'm wondering if he's if he gets the theme song for 39, he might as well consider a name change to the WW Weekend. <laughs> well, there you go. You should suggest it. WWE. <laughs> Yeah, my wife thinks otherwise, but then again, she's used to my bad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're almost done with this. We've each got three left to talk about. Uh, what do you have for number three? Um, the uh, WrestleMania theme from six, uh, seven, and eight. Um, I, this is one of the ones that I remember because I remember getting the pay-per-view when I was really young was the WrestleMania 7 with the uh, Sergeant Slaughter and Hulk Hogan. And then uh, the year before it was the Warrior and Hogan. Um, so those, those like that, that song, like when I hear it, it brings me back to that point. And plus, like, I, I always felt like the, the beginning of it when they're doing the, uh, the guitar, it kind of... Uh, I don't know. It reminds me a little bit of like Money for Nothing in the opening uh, by Dire Straits. Mm, yes. So yeah, I mean, I like again like those those older themes. I uh, I kind of I just I don't know. I enjoy more just because it's uh, you know it, I think it's it, it's just more of like what I remember than you know. I, you know, I, I mean, I can recognize those songs, but like if I went back in some of those other ones uh, for like the past 10 years, I won't even recognize them. So definitely I'm picking uh, WrestleMania 6, uh, 7, and 8 from my number 30. Awesome selection. And yeah, Jim Johnston needs a Hall of Fame induction like back in 2009 because the man's <laughs> written some great theme songs. Not just for Mania, or well, not just the WrestleMania theme song from six to eight, but uh, for every, all, for the wrestlers since the eighties and nineties 
the man was brilliant. He captured the moment for every wrestler, no matter whether you liked him or not. The theme songs were solid. Uh huh. Yeah, they were all. They were. They 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 differed too. I think a lot of the songs now. I like if I just heard them, they would kind of sound the same. Like if I hadn't really heard them before, they would all sort of sound the same. But back then, you you knew the difference between you know the Bushwhackers and Brett the Hitman Heart. So. I mean, he, it was all about capturing what that, you know, wrestler's persona was. And he obviously did a tremendous job for years and years and years. Definitely. And uh, hopefully, I, I mean, as far as I know, the only Hall of Fame inductions that I'm aware of for this year are Undertaker and Vader, both absolutely beyond deserved. But I'm hoping Jim mm-hmm. Johnson gets in there, if not this year, soon but uh yeah that to me the theme song that you mentioned is synonymous with wrestlemania to me even now and mania 7 was also the first pay-per-view first mania pay-per-view i ever watched it's still one of my all-time favorites even now yeah yeah it was a great show yeah i mean okay yeah, I think I know the answer to this one because so far you and I have been in sync with a lot of these songs so far. But what was the better mm-hmm. match at Mania 7? Hogan versus Slaughter or Warrior versus Savage? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely Warrior versus Savage. I would I would definitely think that there was, uh, like, what he was, like, Hogan and, um, you know, whatever, like those, like there was some talent in there. Like I like the Ultimate Warrior and everything, but he wasn't like the greatest wrestler. And you watch that and somehow, you know, whatever Savage was able to do, he was able to just sort of um, work around the limitations and somehow got, I, like I don't, I'm not sure how long that match lasts. I just watched it not too long ago, but it was one of the longest Warrior matches. And yeah, he was able to, maintain some excitement and catch everybody's attention even though like it probably should have never been nearly as good as uh uh you know what it would be you know not as good as never it, it was a lot better i guess i should say than i think anybody would have really anticipated that to be yeah i mean warrior kicking out after five macho man elbow drops is still embedded in my head now yeah. as just like it was on in 1991 mm-hmm. so yeah great minds are definitely thinking alike here today <laughs> <laughs> my pick for number three is kind of interesting because i'll be honest i hate this band with a passion but mm-hmm. it is one of the this song was just perfect it, it had pro wrestling written all over it and my pick for number three from wrestlemania 23 Ladies and Gentlemen by Saliva. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was famous for the double main event, uh, Shawn Michaels versus John Cena for the WWE Championship, and then you had Taker versus Batista for the World Heavyweight Championship, and that little hair versus hair match between Donald Trump and Vince McMahon. Mm, yeah. Yeah. No, like I said, I hate... I- I hate saliva, but I thought the song was perfect. Yeah, I mean, those are, I mean, they could, they, 
like you, I, I can understand, you know, feeling that it's like really a good fit for WrestleMania, but you're not going to, you know, be buying their album anytime soon or anything. But for for that, you know, for that that for that moment, for that time, um, you know, it those you could definitely like a, a song that you wouldn't otherwise. I think. Yeah, and I got to give props to the cheesy video too with the lead singer with the arena microphone singing the chorus and everything. I mean, it was definitely meant. It was written with WWF slash E specifically in mind. So, and it worked. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we got uh, each have two songs left to talk about. Uh, I like I said I earlier I did have my way by Limp Bizkit at number two. What was your number mm-hmm. two pick? Um, WrestleMania one, the instrumental "Easy Lover" by uh, Phil Collins. Okay, oh. I will give you props for that one. I don't have that on my list just because. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that it was terrible. It was just kind of odd that that was the first one they went with for the first WrestleMania. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm not the I'm not the huge just I'm not the biggest Phil Collins fan. Um, but in terms of like all like a lot of the songs like that's for me that's a, a much better song than you know the vast majority of them. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really fit, but, you know, it, it, it's more, it's closer to the type of music that, like, I listen to than a lot of the other songs, so just, just by, you know, just for that alone, I, I got to pick it, not that, you know, screens, you know, chair shots and pile drivers or anything, but, I don't know, it's kind of gutsy too, I guess. But easy lover down a wrestling show, so I got to put that one down for number two. All right, and that's definitely fair. And like you said, it was an instrumental, uh, which is probably better that way. And I guess it could have been worse. They could have kicked off WrestleMania theme songs with Sasudio. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not really that bad. Yeah, I mean Sasudio, but. Well, both Susudio. Well, Easy Lover is an underrated Phil Collins song. Susudio gets a bad rap. It's dumb, but it's fun. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, before we announce our picks for number one, uh, I'll turn it over to you. Uh, do you have uh, an honorable mention or two that you like to talk about? Um, not at any great length, but I picked. Uh, well, I should look at this. I had the. Uh, Rage uh, by Jim Johnson on um, for WrestleMania 15, and then I also just kind of picked uh, the WrestleMania 5 theme, uh, which I didn't uh, put as you know in my list just because it it seemed a little too similar to some of the other ones. But those are the two. I can't really say why, but just for me, those are probably two of the ones that that I, I probably just enjoyed more than the other ones. No real reason other than that. Right on. Okay. Uh, awesome choices. My honorable mentions, I only have a couple. I won't go into length, but uh, first one I'm going to go with is Drowning Pool. 
And mm-hmm. I went with uh, their theme from WrestleMania 18 as opposed to 20. I went with Tearaway over Step Up. I thought, mm-hmm. granted, Tearaway was more directed towards the Helmsley, uh, tr- Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, Jericho feud. But I thought that was, I, th- I still think it's an underrated song from an underrated band. And mm-hmm. this was when they had uh, their original lead singer, Dave Williams, sing live. And he would pass away a few months ago from a heart attack uh, in the summer of 02. But yeah, they really captured the vibe when they played that song live. And I can honestly say on a personal note, Drowning Pool at least with Dave Williams in tow, were some of the nicest people I've met in music as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so, cool. And they are really good live, too. So that's why I'm kind of biased as far as having them on this list. Mm-hmm. And one final one, I went with Big Time, but not the Peter Gabriel version, just because that seemed like it would have made more sense having it in the 80s. Uh Instead, they went with uh, Peter Gabriel from Mania 22. I went with Big Time by Soundtrack to Our Lives from Mania 21, where they were in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another band that deserved a little more love and just seemed to get pushed aside before calling it quits a few years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, the chorus was catchy. Big time, we're all partners in crime. Just, it, I don't know, I mean... It was odd, but for me at 21, I mean, the energy was definitely there. You don't mean, I don't, I think people care more about the music than the lyrics for Mania theme song, which is, I guess maybe I'm a little mean towards Love Runs Out, but I thought the energy for Soundtrack to Our Lives made a lot more sense. Mm Mm-hmm. And as far as Peter Gabriel goes, like I said, great song, but should have been a theme for Mania in the 80s as opposed to 2006. All right. And uh, I think it's time for the main event. We'll ring the bell. Ding, ding, ding. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Hey, you knew this was going to be a WWF Pro Wrestling episode, right, folks? (laughs) All right. Yes, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. This is the main event. The bell is rung. It's time to announce our number one favorite WrestleMania theme song of all time. There's been 38 manias, so many songs to choose from. But at the end of the day, there can only be one. What... Jonathan, is your pick for number one favorite WrestleMania theme song? My pick for number one is uh, WrestleMania 22. So this is what we were kind of getting to before. Uh, Big Time by Peter Gabriel. And this one was uh, easy for me to choose. As soon as I saw that Peter Gabriel had done a... uh, a song or had one of the songs used for WrestleMania. I knew just from the other choices that that one was going to be number one by a mile. Um, yeah, I, I, especially that pay-per-view, uh, 
WrestleMania 22 when it was uh, in Los Angeles. I just think for like a big time show, that one just fit really well. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was, you know, it was, that was the one where it was like Hollywood and everything was, uh, you know, larger than life and everything. And I think Peter Gabriel for that one song, you know, I, I thought, I thought that, you know, was one of the best that probably the best, uh, song there that I could have, uh, picked up all the WrestleMania themes. All right. Well, I definitely got to respect you for that one because, as I said earlier, great song. I I think it would it it is definitely a good WrestleMania theme song. It just could have worked better in say WrestleMania two or even three. Mm-hmm. Personally, yeah. but uh, and you mentioned yeah. this. Uh, did, anything else you wanted to add as as far as uh, Peter Gabriel being your number one? Um. No, I, I guess, like, for me, uh, kind of getting to what you were saying before about how it would probably work better in the sort of an 80s or 90s theme. I, you know, honestly, if I would have, like, if someone, like, if it was my job to pick, like, the actual WrestleMania theme, to it, it'd be probably all songs from 20 years ago or so, 20 or 30 years ago, and they would not fit at all. <laughs> uh, I would just think it just because, you know, hey, it's like, hey, you know, Love Will Lead Us Back by Taylor Dane or something. That's Oof. <laughs> what I would have chosen, um, you know, something like Sarah McLaughlin or something. Uh, so I, I'm not going to criticize them for picking uh, the Peter Gabriel song because uh, Lord knows it's something that I would have probably done. So that's my reason for WrestleMania 22 Big Time by Peter Gabriel. Right on. Definitely a good selection. And my pick for number one, I know we touched on this one earlier, uh, but you know what? This song is synonymous with WrestleMania to me now just as much as it was in the, in the early 90s. My pick for number one is what your pick for number three was the grand spectacle. I, I had to look this up cause I didn't know what the theme song was for the longest time, but I guess it's called the grand spectacle. And that was okay. the theme song they used from WrestleMania six through eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I believe uh, that, yeah, eight was the last time they used it. And then WrestleMania nine, they had a, the Caesar's palace uh, Roman empire theme before going into the new mm-hmm. era, but Grand Spec, the WrestleMania theme song from six to eight, to me, that is the WrestleMania theme song as far as I'm concerned. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mania seven. I mean, it may not be everybody's favorite, but you and I both said that was one of the first manias we ever watched as uh, kids growing up. And it's still one of my top five favorite manias of all time. I, I do bust that out on DVD once in a while too. So when you want to, re- yeah. when I want to relive childhood, boom, Mania Seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, those, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just gonna bring up that those WrestleManias, like because I just watched Seven a few months ago. Um, it's it's just sort of weird that. The other one we were getting to like the pay-per-views before about the uh, beach brawl 
But that one, like, it, that one was crazy watching just because you would have, there were, like, three big matches, and then there were, like, a bunch of nothing matches in between each one that would last, like, two minutes or something. It was just a completely different time. Um, and those themes definitely help, uh, definitely were part of that, that. I think the reason why everybody kind of remembers those so fondly, too, was uh, those sort of, that uh, you know, those WrestleMania themes, especially the one for uh, six, seven, and eight. Yeah, and I'm kind of bummed out that they never brought it back for future WrestleManias. I mean, I know the Mania theme you talked about, which uh, I think was the theme from uh, number 10, which you said, which you had on your list. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I know that's Linda McMahon's theme now, but if they could bring that back, maybe by WrestleMania 40, we'll get the grand spectacle. I, I want to relive that childhood just one last time. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if if I ever, uh, which I doubt will ever happen, if I ever somehow become responsible for you know WrestleMania themes and everything, I'll be, I'll be sure to uh, put that one in there. Uh, it'll just be a bunch of songs from the '80s. There you go. From here on in, and then like the the. Instrumental tracks by Jim Johnson and everything, so that would be me. So, yeah. I am all for that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, just like that, another random, I guess it, we didn't talk about albums, but another random episode is in the books. So <laughs> before we, uh, before we uh, end this, we'll just do one final recap from five to one as, as far as this episode goes uh, before I do my recap, you're my guest. So go ahead and uh, remind the remind listeners what you had from number five to number one. Okay. So uh, number five was uh, Limp Biscuit My Way from uh, WrestleMania 17. Uh, number four was, uh, uh, WrestleMania theme from 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13. My number three was the WrestleMania theme for WrestleMania 6, 7, and 8. Uh, number two was WrestleMania 1, Easy Lover by Phil Collins. And then my number one was WrestleMania 22, Big Time by Peter Gabriel. All right, and my top five, at number five, I had Legacy by Eminem from WrestleMania 30, followed by num- uh, Coming Home by Diddy, Dirty Money, and Skylar Gray uh, from WrestleMania 29 at number four. My number three pick was Ladies and Gentlemen by Saliva from WrestleMania 23. At number two, I had My Way by Limp Bizkit from WrestleMania 17, and my pick for number one was... The theme song for WrestleMania six through eight, "The Grand Spectacle" by Jim Johnston, and wow, that uh, that's going to do it for this edition of Random Album Rankings. Uh, Jonathan Palombon, thank you so much for joining me on this episode and taking the time out to do this with me. This has been a blast. Oh yeah, thank you. It's been a blast too for me. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. Yeah, definitely, and uh, keep on writing great books like this. I know that you. Uh, I, I know you don't just do uh, wrestling. I, I know you write for Instinct Magazine. You're you're still on SlamWrestling.net. Uh, do you have any well, future? I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
Oh, I was just gonna say, like I wrote for Instinct once, and like I don't want anybody to think that like I'm like I, like I'm a regular contributor or anything. But yeah, I, I wrote for one. Right on. Okay, uh, and I know you you don't just write about wrestling. You've got some uh, fiction out there. Uh, journals like Bourbon Pen and Bombay Gin. Do you have any uh, future writings coming up, uh, be it uh, wrestling or otherwise? No, it's been pretty slow uh, lately. Um, I'm trying to put some stuff together, but, you know, if, if you want to kind of follow along, uh, if you want to go on slamwrestling.net, uh, that's probably where, like, all the wrestling uh, stuff is going to be uh, probably for the, probably for the, at least for the, you know, time being. So if anybody wants to read more about stuff, uh, more about wrestling and stuff that I wrote, uh, slamwrestling.net would probably be your best bet. Sounds like a plan. And uh, for those of you listening, I'm going to remind you all one more time, Tortured Ambition, the story of Herb Abrams and the UWF is available in bookstores and online Go pick yourself up a copy if you love pro wrestling because this book is amazing. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for your time, Jonathan. Uh, stay warm up there in Minnesota. <laughs> uh, <try. laughs> Thank you once again, Jonathan Plombon, for joining me on this very special edition of Random Album Rankings. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I don't really care. Tortured Ambition, the story of Herb Abrams and the UWF. Go pick up a copy. And wow, that was definitely a blast to do this episode. And I really hope you enjoyed this edition of random album rankings be sure to follow this podcast on instagram at random.album that's r-a-n-d-u-m-b dot a-l-b-u-m-b and you can also rate this podcast on any streaming service that you follow if you're listening to this podcast on google itunes or spotify leave a review one star five star let me know how i'm doing because let's be honest i can only get better from here and you can also leave messages for this podcast, too. Go on anchor.fm slash random dash album and leave a message, positive or negative. And just so you know, whatever message you leave may be played on a future episode, just letting you know. And if you're feeling up to it, you can even donate a little bit of money to this podcast as well. You can donate as little as 99 cents a month, not even a buck. I mean, come on, folks. Just click on the listener support page to learn more. And if you don't feel like donating money, all I ask of you is to tell your friends about this podcast so that they can tune in next week. And thank you once again for tuning in to this random bonus episode. We'll be back to normal next week. And next week's episode will be dedicated to The Clash. So until next week, I'm BC saying the world is your oyster. Get out there and go shuck it. And maybe I'll catch you at some wrestling matches one of these times. Goodbye, everybody. You may think this idea is dumb. Well, you're wrong. It's actually random.